Letter ninety one of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, volume two by Samuel Richardson. Letter ninety one. I will now, my dearest, my best beloved correspondent of all, begin, since the tender age of my dear babies will not permit me to have an eye yet to their better part, to tell you what are the little matters to which I am not quite so well reconciled in Mr. Locke, and this I shall be better enabled to do by my observations upon the temper and natural bent of my dear Miss Goodwin, as well as by those which my visits to the bigger children of my little school and those at the cottages adjacent have enabled me to make. For human nature, sir, you are not to be told, is human nature, whether in the high-born or in the low. This excellent author, section 52, having justly disallowed of slavish and corporal punishments in the education of those we would have to be wise, good, and ingenuous men, adds, on the other side, to flatter children by rewards of things that are pleasant to them is as carefully to be avoided. He that will give his son apples or sugar plums or what else of this kind he is most delighted with to make him learn his book does but authorize his love of pleasure and cockers up that dangerous propensity which he ought by all means to subdue and stifle in him. You can never hope to teach him to master it whilst you compound for the check you give his inclination in one place by the satisfaction you propose to it in another. To make a good, a wise, and a virtuous man tis fit he should learn to cross his appetite and deny his inclination to riches, finery, or pleasing his palate, etc., this, sir, is well said, but is it not a little too philosophical and abstracted, not only for the generality of children, but for the age he supposes them to be of, if one may guess by the apples and the sugar-plums proposed for the rewards of their well-doing? Would not this require that memory or reflection in children, which in another place is called the concomitant of prudence and age, and not of childhood? It is undoubtedly very right to check an unreasonable appetite, and that at its first appearance, but if so small and so reasonable an inducement will prevail, surely, sir, it might be complied with. A generous mind takes delight to win over others, by good usage and mildness, rather than by severity, and it must be a great pain to such an one to be always inculcating on his children or pupils the doctrine of self-denial, by methods quite grievous to his own nature. What I would then humbly propose is that the encouragements offered to youth should indeed be innocent ones, as the gentleman enjoins, and not such as would lead to luxury either of food or apparel. But I humbly think it necessary that rewards, proper rewards, should be proposed as incentives to laudable actions, for is it not by this method that the whole world is influenced and governed? 
does not god himself by rewards and punishments make it our interest as well as our duty to obey him and can we propose ourselves for the government of our children a better example than that of the creator this fine author seems to think he had been a little of the strictest and liable to some exception i say not this proceeds he section fifty three that i would have children kept from the conveniences or pleasures of life that are not injurious to their health or virtue on the contrary i would have their lives made as pleasant and as agreeable to them as may be in a plentiful enjoyment of whatsoever might innocently delight them and yet he immediately subjoins a very hard and difficult proviso to this indulgence provided says he it be with this caution that they have those enjoyments only as the consequences of the state of esteem and acceptation they are in with their parents and governors i doubt my dear mr b this is expecting such a distinction and discretion in children as they seldom have in their tender years and requiring capacities not commonly to be met with so that it is not prescribing to the generality as this excellent author intended tis i humbly conceive next to impossible that their tender minds should distinguish beyond facts they covet this or that plaything and the parent or governor takes advantage of its desires and annexes to the indulgence such or such a task or duty as a condition and shows himself pleased with its compliance with it so the child wins its plaything and receives the commendation so necessary to lead on young minds to laudable pursuits but shall it not be suffered to enjoy the innocent reward of its compliance unless it can give satisfaction that its greatest delight is not in having the thing coveted but in performing the task or obeying the injunctions imposed upon it as a condition of its being obliged i doubt sir this is a little too strict and not to be expected from children a servant full-grown would not be able to show that on condition he complied with such and such terms which it is to be supposed by the offer he would not have complied with but for that inducement he should have such and such a reward i say he would hardly be able to show that he preferred the pleasure of performing the requisite conditions to the stipulated reward nor is it necessary he should for he is not the less a good servant or a virtuous man if he own the conditions painful and the reward necessary to his low state in the world and that otherwise he would not undergo any service at all why then should this be exacted from a child let therefore innocent rewards be proposed and let us be contented to lead on the ductile minds of children to a love of their duty by obliging them with such we may tell them what we expect in this case but we ought not i humbly conceive to be too rigorous in exacting it for after all the inducement will naturally be the uppermost consideration with the child not as i hinted had it been offered to it if the parent himself had not thought so and therefore we can only let the child know his duty in this respect 
and that he ought to give a preference to that and then rest ourselves contented although we should discern that the reward is the chief incentive of it for this from whatever motive inculcated may beget a habit in the child of doing it and then as it improves in years one may hope that reason will take place and enable him from the most solid and durable motives to give a preference to the duty upon the whole then can we insist upon it that the child should so nicely distinguish away its little innate passions as if we expected it to be born a philosopher self-denial is indeed a most excellent doctrine to be inculcated into children and it must be done early but we must not be too severe in our exacting it for a duty too rigidly insisted upon will make it odious this mr locke too observes in another place on the head of too great severity which he illustrates by a familiar comparison offensive circumstances says he ordinarily infect innocent things which they are joined with and the very sight of a cup wherein any one uses to take nauseous physic turns his stomach so that nothing will relish well out of it though the cup be never so clean and well shaped and of the richest materials permit me to add that mr locke writes still more rigorously on the subject of rewards which i quote to show i have not misunderstood him but these enjoyments says he should never be offered or bestowed on children as the rewards of this or that particular performance that they show an aversion to or to which they would not have applied themselves without that temptation if dear sir the minds of children can be led on by innocent inducements to the performance of a duty of which they are capable what i have humbly offered is enough i presume to convince one that it may be done but if ever a particular study be proposed to be mastered or a bias to be overcome that is not an indispensable requisite to his future life of morals to which the child shows an aversion i would not methinks have him be too much tempted or compelled to conquer or subdue it especially if it appear to be a natural or riveted aversion for permit me to observe that the education and studies of children ought as much as possible to be suited to their capacities and inclination and by these means we may expect to have always useful and often great men in different professions for that genius which does not prompt to the prosecution of one study may shine in another no less necessary part of science but if the promise of innocent rewards would conquer this aversion yet they should not be applied with this view for the best consequences that can be hoped for will be tolerable skill in one thing instead of most excellent in another nevertheless i must repeat that if as the child grows up and is capable of so much reason that from the love of the inducement one can raise his mind to the love of the duty it should be done by all means but my dear mr b i am afraid that that parent or tutor will meet with but little success who in a child's tender years shall refuse to comply with its foibles till he sees it value its duty 
and the pleasure of obeying his commands beyond the little enjoyment on which his heart is fixed for as i humbly conceive that mind which can be brought to prefer its duty to its appetites will want little of the perfection of the wisest philosophers besides sir permit me to say that i am afraid this perpetual opposition between the passions of the child and the duty to be enforced especially when it sees how other children are indulged for if this regimen could be observed by any it would be impossible it should become general while the fond and the inconsiderate parents are so large a part of mankind will cow and dispirit a child and will perhaps produce a necessity of making use of severity to subdue him to this temper of self-denial for if the child refuses the parent must insist and what will be the consequence must it not introduce a harsher discipline than this gentleman allows of and which i presume to say did never yet do good to any but to slavish and base spirits if to them a discipline which mr locke everywhere justly condemns see here dear sir a specimen of the presumption of your girl what will she come to in time you will perhaps say her next step will be to arraign myself no no dear sir don't think so for my duty my love and my reverence shall be your guards and defend you from everything saucy in me but the bold approaches of my gratitude which shall always testify for me how much i am your obliged and dutiful servant p b end of letter ninety one